Hey everyone, welcome back to your Weekly Fix podcast with your host, me, Victoria Fix. On your Weekly Fix podcast, we talk all the issues, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But most importantly, we talk about issues that impact you, your family, your friends, and your communities. So you can listen, encourage conversation, and eventually get out there and better advocate for yourselves and each other. Hey everyone, welcome to your Weekly Fix podcast. This is your host, Victoria Fix, and if you are new here, thank you so much for joining us and tuning in. This week's episode is a debrief on the 2020 election, the specifically the 2020 presidential election. Today is Sunday, November 8th when I am recording this. This is going to come out the 9th, and on the 7th, we found out who the winner was, which um, is Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. So super excited. I was going to do an episode this week on graduate school and gap years and post-grad. Thank you guys so much for submitting those questions on Instagram, but um, I decided to do this episode instead because I said I wasn't going to do a post-election episode until we had some concrete and conclusive results, but Thankfully, we finally have some conclusive results, so I'm able to record this podcast. Um, Of course, I had feelings all week that I did want to share, but I just felt like it can be a distraction to a lot of people to just um, talk more about what we don't know. Um, That's already an anxiety for a lot of people, so I didn't want to contribute to that, but... um, Now we have the answers and we're going to talk all about it. I don't really want this to be partisan, but I should start by saying that I don't think my political beliefs and views are a secret to anyone, especially if you follow me on my personal accounts. Um, You know I voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I am a registered Democrat and I do find it somewhat important to share that because I do think A lot of my social values do align with the Democratic Party, but what's so important about this election is that it really, to me, okay, when you look at a map, it's very partisan, but for a lot of people, it had very little to do with partisanship, and it had a lot to do with human rights, it had a lot to do with the future of our democracy, and it had a lot to do with who and what our country was becoming on a domestic level and an international level, and where we wanted to see the future of America go. So I just want to put that out there. I remember one time I had someone tell me that they listened to your weekly fix, and they were a registered Republican, and they lean more conservative. And immediately when they said that to me, I was like, concerned, like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine him enjoying my podcast, because I do tend to maybe lean more left and talk about progressive issues but he told me that he thought he felt represented in my podcast and that I didn't allow partisanship to taint or sway the facts and my um, delivery of a message so that meant so much to me and it was a reminder that I have a responsibility on this podcast to uphold what I wanted from the beginning and that is to just talk about issues that impact young people and um, our communities. And I don't care if you are a Republican, if you are a Democrat, if you are registered to no party, this podcast is a space for you. And we have all gone through a lot during this election season. And I just want to talk about it more in the sense of what the implications of this election are, um, 
what this election looks like and how it looks differently from past elections, what elections might look like in the future, to talk about civil engagement, civic engagement, and um, to just talk about it as a debrief rather than how excited I am about the outcome. I want to start by saying too, like, I think for me, I've always been so passionate and interested in civic engagement um, from even before I was a political science major or anything. Like, I remember being, you know, so young and going to the polls with my parents when they voted for Barack Obama, and they were so excited about that election, and I remember being able to, as a little girl, go into the voting pool with my dad and he showed me how people vote and why it's important and why it's something you should do. And I was lucky that I had two parents that had jobs that allowed them to go vote on election day. Um, And I didn't realize until maybe college when I learned a little bit more about our democratic processes and processes, excuse me, that that's not the case for many families. That's not the case for many stories in America where voting has become and has been so easy and so normalized. And everyone knows my passion, aside from my passion of criminal justice reform and social justice, a huge um, passion I have on the side is a personal passion. How many times can I say passion? Is civic engagement and increasing voter turnout and increasing engagement in the democratic process and I am so proud that there were so many people that turned out to vote this year and in doing this podcast I have really started to realize and refine my passion of civic engagement and I did not realize truly until I put it into practice how much people do not know about voting and I think when I sit behind a textbook or in a classroom and I'm studying political science and public policy it's easy to just say people don't engage in voting people don't vote young people don't vote people of color don't vote okay but then when you get out there and you express the importance of voting and you have people reaching out to you asking voter questions and saying that your podcast changed the way someone looked at voting or I taught someone something about our system that's so cool and I just think I want to just say thank you to everyone who tuned in to the episodes that were about government that were about voting and I'll continue to talk about it on this podcast but those episodes obviously aren't the most riveting and exciting podcasts. They're more informational. And the fact that so many people tuned in and then reached out to me privately to ask certain questions to make sure that their voice was heard this year is really exciting. And all of that paid off because you obviously saw such a high voter turnout. Joe Biden had received the most ballots casted for an individual candidate ever. And it was the largest turnout we've had in an election since 1905. And I hope that that's not a flop. I hope that people continue to stay engaged and continue to understand the voting process as it changes. It will continue to change. Each state creates their own voting laws and 
their own voting practices and it's important that you continue to keep up with how voting is changing and to make sure that your community's voices are heard and your family's voices are heard. People like Stacey Abrams made it her mission to make sure that people of color, especially in Georgia, turned out the vote and she got more than 80,000 unregistered voters to vote in this year's election. That's how our democracy should work because our democracy needs to be representative of the people who live here. And I'm happy I played a part in that and I'm happy that you all tuned in and engaged to do that because your voice made a difference. No matter what party you are affiliated with or where your values lie, especially if you're a woman or a person of color, people fought for your right to vote. We did not, we were not born with these rights and it's a shame if you don't participate in the process because it's a slap in the face to the people who worked tirelessly to do that for us. So thank you guys so much. I just want to say thank you so, so much for tuning in um, to my election and government episodes and for voting this year and for being so enthusiastic about the process. All right, moving forward, I think I want to talk a little bit about... um, why this election was historic, why it was different, and potentially how we will see elections in the future. The first and first and most important um, historic moment of this election was the fact that Kamala Harris is going to be not only the first woman VP in the United States history, the first woman of color, the first woman of Indian descent, of african-american descent the first person child of immigrants that is insane i don't think we realize that we are truly living through history being able to see this happen we have come so close to you know breaking glass ceilings and women gaining representation but to see a woman of color reach the highest office as the VP is truly beautiful for this country and it's one step closer to inclusivity it's one step closer to a truly representative democracy um and that doesn't her victory did not come easy and it is also a reminder to not only look into the past at the women who helped women gain the right to vote but also the women who have lost and failed and have kept fighting and kept pushing to get a woman like Kamala Harris as the vice president. I think it's just so beautiful too to see like in my political science classes and just in my conversations with people when I talk to people about like, oh, I'd love to vote or I'd love to run for office someday, but Um, I don't know if I can because I don't have X, Y, and Z. And then someone will say, well, he did that or he did that and he's still the president. And to always say, well, that's because he's a he. You know, men have an advantage, especially white men. It's now cool to see that you could potentially be a woman, a woman of color, and reach that point um, and become a leader and become you know, elected as freaking vice president of the United States. That's really great for women across the world, women across the country, and especially women of color, because so often 
women of color are not um, included in the conversation. And even when they are, they're often not praised or recognized for the work that often they are responsible for. So I think that's a huge um, success that came out of this election. Um, But the work doesn't stop here. Like, we have so much more so much more to to see we have so much potential in this country to see more women more people of color in office especially at the executive level and i think we're going to see that also what the 2020 election showed was that 2016 well no actually 2018 the midterm elections in 2018 i don't know if you guys remember but there was a huge wave of women especially women of color that ran for congress and won seats and often flipped seats from red to blue or what have you and we learned this year that that was not a flop that more women more people in the lgbtq community more women of color more immigrant women ran for office and won so in 2021 we are going to have the most women in congress than we've ever had before that's a huge success for America and I truly believe that women make up you know just by the numbers women make up half more than half of this country so they should if we are living in a representative democracy they should make up half of or if not more of our government there should be all women on the Supreme Court as Ruth Bader Ginsburg said but it's not outlandish to request that we have women in places of power Um, especially because women are amazing decision makers, incredible leaders, and can, we've obviously proven that women are capable of doing the job despite what our norms have said, and it's a shame that it's taken this long, but, um, it's just really freaking awesome. Um, (laughs) another historic, uh, first ever, and this is just a plug to my hometown, is first Syracuse alum as president of the United States, um, Joe Biden went to Syracuse Law School, which is um, my dad's alma mater, and it's kind of a little hometown pride that we now have a um, local, not really, but a, um, you know, he spent some time in Syracuse, actually. He, um, his wife worked at a restaurant or diner, I think, during his time there, and they whatever okay anyway he is there's some hometown pride there so first ever Syracuse alum to be named president of the United States also Trump is the first president in over I think it's 25 years that has served just one term we also have to remember that there's a there's two runoff elections in Georgia which will determine the senate and who um keeps power of the senate right now um it's split and we don't know yet so there's going to be two runoff elections that's freaking historic that's crazy and those will i think happen in january so if you're listening to this and you live in georgia get out and vote um and make sure your voices are heard another thing is i think a lot of us learned a lot more about the electoral college this year and you know in my opinion i think it is not the best system that we have in the United States to determine elections. I think it casts a lot of people out of the electoral system and um, 
I think it's quite frankly outdated and is doesn't do our democratic system any justice. But regardless, we learned a lot about how that works. I saw a lot of young people engaged in television and the news and seeing how the math adds up and how presidents are, you know, even though our votes matter, at the end of the day, it comes down to math. And um, that was really exciting to see. Um, It is obviously it was a nail-biting election, so we saw a lot of swing states flip, but we saw a lot of swing states stay the same. So, for instance, um, Florida was red. Pennsylvania obviously flipped blue, and that is what changed the outcome of the election. Um, Also, I'm really curious. I haven't done too much research, but, like, as a political science person, I'm very interested in seeing how certain counties voted. I was listening to the news and there were you know even though on a grand scale we see um more people you know joe biden was the the most ballots casted for a single individual candidate um like that's crazy so we see a lot of people voting he obviously won the popular vote but when you look at the breakdown of our country there were a lot of counties that went from blue to red A lot more people voted for Trump in counties that did vote for Hillary um, in the 2016 election. So I haven't done enough research on the intricates of that in the past two days, but I think that'll be interesting to see. And that's kind of leads me to talking about where we go from here. Um, So in addition to 2018, like not being a fluke in the sense that so many women were elected to Congress... This election also proved that 2016 wasn't a fluke and that Donald Trump wasn't elected by chance or by luck for his base, that um, like 70 million people still voted for Donald Trump and it was an obvious nail-biting election. And that is where we need to go from here is understanding that i switched through you know political scientists will now study for months for years why the outcome of this election was the way it was just like they did for 2016. some people for 2016 say hillary clinton was a bad candidate some people say she ran a bad campaign she even though raised a lot of money didn't raise enough didn't build the right coalition some people say it was james um, comey's fbi investigation Some people say it was exclusively Russian interference, which did play a part. Um, Some people say that Donald Trump spoke to a huge voting voter base in the United States um, and spoke to their stories and their fears. And that's very all very well true. And it can be a mix of everything. I was watching the news and, you know, Fox News, the day that Joe Biden um, was announced winner, I was flipping through, you know, all the channels and I went on Fox for a little bit and I was hearing some of the commentators say that they think their initial reaction was that Trump, Donald Trump's base didn't take the mail-in voting and the early voting seriously enough, that it was strategic and Um, important that Joe Biden capitalized on 
the absentee ballot method of voting, voting by mail, and early voting. And I'll just break by saying that's sick because that's exactly what we found. In political science classes, we find that the more accessible voting is, the more people will turn out. There's, we've also found that mailing, voting, excuse me, voting by mail is very safe. There's been no evidence really of any wrongdoing of mail-in voting. It's always been safe. Some states exclusively only do mail-in voting for most of their, um, not exclusively, that's a general assumption, but a lot of people use mail-in voting as a preferred method of voting and they have for a very long time. Um, Early voting only became um, introduced in New York in 2017 and it's not available in a lot of other states like Michigan, which is a swing state, which would make the electoral system in Michigan so much easier, especially for poll workers, if they had early voting. They, in Michigan too, side note, they weren't able to even count their mail-in ballots until election day. That slows things down too. So each state has their own voting protocols, their voting guidelines, and their voting laws, and that makes things complicated. But what we've found is the more options you give people, the more people will have the opportunity to vote. Normal Americans work a lot and have families and are caretakers and busy schedules and can't, it's not feasible for one day of the year to be the sole and only day that you're able to cast your ballot. And personally, I think that that's the future of our elections, that people are going to find more accessible ways to vote because they we need more accessible ways to vote. We want every vote to be counted. We want increased voter turnout. Voting turnout was only between 65 and 68 percent this year, as opposed to 64 percent in 2016. So I think it was 68 this year. The largest voter turnout was in 1905, and that was 87 percent. We can get to 87 percent. I'm hopeful and ambitious for that. But a huge part of our country doesn't vote in primaries and in midterms less than half votes and part of it is people there's a cultural issue in the united states where there's no culture of voting there's also just not enough opportunity for people to vote and not enough education i've said this before voting is complicated it's not made to be easy and joe biden and his coalition got online, got on social media, and showed people how to fill out their ballots. They showed people step-by-step how to vote and made it easy. And it's people like that, it's people like Stacey Abrams, and a lot of activists out there that are trying to advocate for accessible and fair elections. And what we saw this year is that a lot of young people voted, a lot of old people voted, but a lot of people of color voted, and a lot of working class, low-income people voted because they could. You know, even my mom, like we vote every year or every election. My mother like works 10 hours a day and has to rush home to be a caretaker to my grandfather who can't be left alone at home. If she didn't vote early, she may not have been able to vote on Tuesday on election day. I had a situation where I was pushed around to all these different voting booths, voting precincts, and I think I've said this in previous episodes, and I couldn't vote because they kept getting my name wrong and my precinct wrong, and I had to go to class. I had work to do, and that happens more often than you think, and here and there, you think one vote here, one vote there. 
it adds up and there are so many stories worse than that of people not having the right to gain access to vote and I think in this election I would say that it had from my initial reaction and just what I know about elections this election was determined by non-representative people voting and turning out especially the black vote and the opportunity and the education behind that um and I think people just decided similarly to me you know this election is about human rights it's about the future of democracy in our country and they voted in the direction that they thought would be best fit for that message but like I said this election show 2016 was no fluke people like Donald Trump that's scary and if you're listening to this I don't get it um (laughs) Because I truly, genuinely think he is a danger to a lot of people. And I think he's completely fooled his base um, in thinking that he has their best interests at heart. But I don't think he does. This isn't about Republican versus Democrats. I don't think Donald Trump, in my personal opinion, even nearly represents the Republican values that the Republican Party holds true to them. But I will say this people, I think there are certain people that like Trump because they're white supremacists, they're racist, they're homophobic, they're Islamophobic, they're transphobic, all the phobics. I think there are a lot of people in this world who are afraid of diversity, afraid of people taking power in this country. White people hate the fear of being oppressed themselves. They like actually love celebrating. They love talking about it as if they're going to be oppressed any day now it's creepy and weird but there's so much fear and so much lack of empathy that people do not understand the way others live in this country and can't accept it and that's run true to our founding we like I always go back to slavery obviously it's you can't talk about this nation's history without talking about slavery But in our constitution and our writings at its inception, we were so afraid of black people that we had to put it in writing that they were less of a person. That still hundreds of years later is how a lot of people think still in this country. And it's scary. There's a small rural town near where I live, where I'm from, excuse me, not where I live, where I'm from. And... They put on their main street, proud as punch, that they wanted the, they, you know, they accepted the Proud Boys statements. They thought BLM was, you know, some, they said some horrible, like, gross, explicit term that I won't say on here. They said they are, they support the KKK, like, outwardly. And that's the craziest part of what happened in these past four years is that so many people looked at Donald Trump, whether it was his intention or not. I say it was. A lot of people don't regardless and said, oh, he doesn't like these people. So now I cannot like these people and get away with it. I'm probably preaching to the choir here. This is probably no new news. But I think that is a huge chunk of people who supported Donald Trump. I also think there were people that supported Donald Trump that 
were afraid of their taxes being um, increased. Some people voted for Donald Trump purely because of the fear. Um, a lot of religious believers, like the fear of a woman gaining the right to choose whether or not she has an abortion. People, there's a lot of single issue voters out there. You know, it's the nature of America and democracy. But some people, I think, voted for Donald Trump because they were afraid of their Second Amendment right being taken away. Whatever the case may be, people voted for him. And I think in order for our country to heal, there has to be some level of understanding of where the two groups come from. I personally don't stand for white supremacy. This country shouldn't. There's no room in this country for racism. I don't believe in that at all. So I'm not talking to those people, and it's kind of hard to envision Trump supporters without thinking of that, but let's say there are Trump supporters who aren't racist. Let's say that's the hypothetical. I think there's people in this country who a lot of people, most people, the majority of America wakes up every day and just wants to protect their family, make a livable wage, earn their money, protect their property, stay healthy, and be happy. It's kind of the foundation. I think all of us like want that. And then there's people like me who I care about public service. I think there's a greater cause than myself. I really don't care if my taxes are raised a little bit, and they probably won't be because I don't make any money, to help my neighbor have health care. I personally don't care that my taxes might be raised a little bit to make sure that the school down the street in my neighborhood has extra funding that they didn't have before. That's Those are my values, but I'm not expecting everyone in this country to have that same mindset. In an ideal world, I'd probably be a Republican too. I've always said that. If everybody had the needs that, if everyone's needs were responded to and everyone had what they wanted, we wouldn't need to raise taxes. We wouldn't need to care for others. We wouldn't need to have illegal or undocumented or documented immigration because everybody would be happy in this weird utopia. But that's not the world. That's not the United States in my eyes. So, I might be getting on a rant here, but my main message is the majority of the people in the United States don't care if our criminal justice system is reformed. They don't care that our climate climate change is addressed because they care about issues that are happening right now in their front doorway that's impacting their family, and that's that. People vote with self-interest. That's just normal. But is there any way in the United States that we can accomplish both of that? That we respect people for being self-interested because we all want to be happy and get what we want. You know, obviously, I'm self-interested. I'd like to live, I'd like to have a comfortable life, but I also, like I said, don't mind my taxes being raised a little bit for my neighbor or for my community. Um, But can't we have that and have a system where we have compassion and empathy to uplift the rest of our society? Like, I'm not, I don't judge or not understand why Republicans don't want their taxes raised or why they don't want their guns taken away or why they personally believe abortion should not be part of our society. Okay, like, but we also have to think that of others and that 
other people's ways of life are not going to be the same as yours, just like I have to. I have to accept the fact that there's people in this world who aren't going to look at politics and society like me. But can't we have both? Can't we have people who live in the middle of the, of America and care about their values, but also care about maybe someone who lives in New York or in the city of Baltimore? Like, I don't understand why that's so polarizing. Why is the idea that there's justice for black people and there's equality on the table, why is that a threat to your life? That's what my biggest message is. We need to have a society that can do both. We need unity. I don't know. I'm scared our generation is seeing the worst of politics as we finally are at an age where we can get involved and understand things. We're seeing it in a really demonizing fashion. And I don't think this is the norm. I mean, yes, our norm in the United States is to oppress people of color and oppressed and oppressed marginalized groups. That's never changed. But it's not to lash out in such horrifying polarizing ways so what i would like to see is more than just tolerance i think in order for our country to heal it's going to have to be not tolerance but compromise like how is kamala harris breaking a glass ceiling and becoming the first woman woman of color to be the vice president how is that a threat to the united states Some people might come back at me and say it's because people are racist and I'm sure that's probably it, but I just, it's like I refuse to accept the notion that that's everyone. I don't know. I'm still maybe optimistic. I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared that half of this country felt so fearful of a Biden presidency, but they don't see what I see in a Trump presidency. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, All right, moving on. Another implication of this election was a lot of people are falsely claiming there was election fraud when there has literally been no evidence of that. And that is something so scary that has also come out of the Trump presidency is this lackluster idea that we can just throw around ideas as if they're facts and have no evidence to support that. As someone who studied political science and studies public policy, very rarely, studies show very, very, very rarely does election fraud actually happen. Like, nobody's, like, nobody's that, (laughs) like, you're giving people too much credit. Nobody wants to vote on behalf of their dead grandfather. Like, not nobody, but come on, that, like, Studies show that doesn't happen and there's baseless, it's a baseless claim. So the idea that we can just say whatever the frig we want without having any evidence to support it is so dangerous. And the idea to undermine free and fair elections is exactly what our founders feared. Our founders feared that a president would become so powerful and have so much power like okay we don't live in a dictatorship like i'm not saying that that's completely at stake here but that a president would become so powerful that he or she could convince someone a group of information that's not true that's why we have checks and balances that's why we need people to say that's wrong you're spreading misinformation 
it's just a matter of whether or not people will believe it or not but our election process is and our democracy is what our country is founded on and when i say donald trump doesn't represent republican values the republican party more than anything has been rooted in our democracy has been rooted in our values of our constitution and the way our systems work so how is that okay that people are out there saying there was election fraud they counted the votes people having access to voting is not election fraud because you mailed in a ballot or voted early is not election fraud the votes were counted and that's what happened nobody claimed election fraud when Hillary Clinton was elected. People claimed there was interference by a foreign entity and it was then proven that there was interference, but the election still stayed the same. Whatever, I'm not gonna get into the hypocrisy of that, but it's dangerous to spread misinformation, but it's more importantly, really dangerous to claim that our election is not fair. Because when you do that, and you damage our democracy, we have nothing left. We cannot heal. It becomes less about politics and more about our liberties and our lives as we know it in the United States. People have fought so hard to to get our right to vote and to keep our foundation strong for a national leader to embarrass the United States, to embarrass us. On an, on an international stage and say, oh, my, my constituents, my, the citizens of the United States are so devious and stupid that they would commit election fraud. That's what our president's saying about dedicated poll workers, and that's what our international allies and enemies think of us, that we're just so corrupt that we committed election fraud. That's nice. That's great. So it's dangerous and don't allow someone to pull the wool over your eyes and try to spew information without seeing some sort of evidence and factual information. Um, and hopefully our constitute. I mean, I'm sure there will be recounts. Some of his lawsuits have already been blocked. Um, but Georgia is already recounting, and I'm sure other states will recount too. Recounting an election historically has shown very little change, so we'll see. But I think our institutions and our courts will stand strong, and the winner will be stayed the winner no matter what. I think, unfortunately, this is going to be the first time in history that we don't see a peaceful transfer of power. I'm betting money on it right now that... Donald Trump will not invite the president-elect and the first lady to the Oval Office for a meeting like Barack Obama did, and there definitely won't be a tr peaceful transfer of power where we see the new president enter the White House um, and the current occupant, you know, peacefully say goodbye. I also don't think Donald Trump's going to go to the inauguration. So, hopefully we start to heal hopefully we start to see two sides come together i think joe biden you know i was a warren supporter i don't think we all know joe biden isn't everyone's favorite candidate and that's not really what this is about 
but I do think he's a healer and I do think he is a really great moderate middle ground person that can help heal our nation on a domestic level and with constituents but also he has worked in the senate for a very long time even if we have a red senate you know Lyndon B. Johnson was known to be the master of the senate you know if you've read that book it's a good one (laughs) Lyndon B. Johnson's my favorite president, but um, there can be a lot done policy-wise and bipartisan policy, which is something I really admire if Joe Biden is elected as president, or if Joe Biden is, can work with the Senate and um, do what he's done all during his time when he was a senator. Um, So that's really exciting. But I think my biggest message here is we need to find bipartisanship. There's no way, we just see with the numbers, there is no way that I'm going to be able to see the criminal justice system change like I want without the help of the other side, without convincing or educating the other side and seeing that there's benefits in doing that. There's no way if you are a women's rights activist, there's no way we are going to be able to get policies passed that include um you know anti-discrimination laws for women or women of color in the workplace without working with the other side climate change obviously um immigration so many issues and hopefully we can find a compromise because it's something that's the inevitable we i have to figure out why other people don't believe the same things like me um and that's america like that's why we love it here because we have the freedom to do that but we also need to stand up for what's wrong and what's right and change how we've the united states as we've known it for its racism and for you know marginalization or disenfranchisation of people in the united states And I think, too, like, there are a lot of political issues, like, partisan issues, like, taxes, guns, like, free market, capitalism, even immigration or military spending. Those are partisan political issues. Human rights are not political issues. And until we all figure that out, it's going to be difficult, but we've got to somehow all figure that out. Um, I think what's also really exciting I just wanted to say is families are going to be reunited hopefully under a joe biden administration we will re-enter the paris climate accord that's really huge for climate change the COVID task force is going to be really great to see potentially um us get a better handle on the safety of our citizens with in relation to covid um reinstating the dream act and hopefully gaining a better relationship with people in all branches of government. I would love to know what you guys think of the election. I know I asked some of you guys what you were feeling like before we knew who won. A lot of people were saying they were anxious, really stressed, couldn't sleep. Oh my gosh, I was right there with you. I felt like it was a deja vu of 2016. I woke up with a heavy chest one morning, but it's all good and the work starts now. If you are invigorated by this election, keep that enthusiasm, keep that excitement because we have so much work to do 
and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to need our help. They're going to need grassroots activists and organizers to make change. Change does not happen overnight. It's going to happen at the local and state level too. And any impact you can make is a positive impact. And I've learned that here with the podcast. And I'm so thankful that you guys continue to tune in. I'm hoping for better days ahead. And I'm hoping I can connect with people who don't see the same things as me and we can figure out what we want America to look like in one way or the other. Follow me on <laughs> your week at your weekly fix podcast on Instagram. Reach out to me, please. I love hearing from you guys. When you guys submit questions, when you guys DM me asking questions about voting, it's just like so cool. So thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys stay involved and I look forward to hearing from you guys um, on Instagram and see you guys next week. Thanks guys. Bye.